All right, everybody, we're back. This is Curious Apes. We got quite a big topic today. We're going to be talking about the self and its relation to oneness. Does oneness exist? Are we individuals? Are we just one single molecule in a big ocean? Donovan, I know you got some thoughts for me. What do you think? All right, so like to uh, a little a little bit of more background on this guy. So you know, there's this Buddhist philosophy that we are all one with the universe. You know, as any of you who have taken shrooms, you can surmise that this feels very true. Uh, this idea that you know we're and I agree with it. You know, because if you think about it, we we are mud for our entire eternity uh, before we're born. We're the mud of the earth. We're stardust, and then you know we're made into this ape that walks around, you know, mm -hmm. and does things and carries a briefcase and has worrows of furry, and uh, and then after that we're mud again. You know, and then we go back to the eternity, back to the void. And so by that sense, you know, in the grand scheme of things. You know, the Buddhists say, you know, since that, since that is true to some st some uh, extent, the secular version of Buddhism, um, <clears throat> therefore, we're all one with the universe, you know. The, and to some degree, I think that another way that people take this is, maybe you could articulate this better, actually. There's this idea that uh, it's our limited perception that carves mm -hmm. out the ape as separate, right? But if you look mm -hmm. at the wide spectrum, you know, of all wavelengths, all energy and... Uh, energy and mass than energy and matter it's all the same so do you want to take that one the well i mean for the most part i think uh i know we talked about this before and one of your big things was if i cut off my hand that affects me and not everyone else right that's the, that's the crux of my argument okay so i'm against i think that the idea of oneness in the universe that buddhist uh, put forward is you know probably technically true like it's technically true we don't have free will but it feels like it and you need free will the idea of it or the illusion of it anyway to navigate your life in any meaningful sense so I view the same way with oneness versus not oneness. You know, while the Buddhists may be inherently right that we all are one, that I am nothing but stardust and atoms, uh, I know that I there is a there is a certain delineation of who I am by the fact that if you cut off my finger very quickly, yes. the barrier, the delineation between Donovan James and the rest of the universe is very clear. It includes all ten of my fingers. Yes, and 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 that's something that I think could be definitely argued for the fact that your brain uh, is only connected to nerve endings that run through your body. Our brains are not connected to nerve endings that run out through all the trees and into other people's bodies. There, so in that sense, there is definitely some sense of disconnect between what you can feel and perceive versus what others can see and perceive. For me, what I find interesting about this is the fact that uh, because of the vastness of the universe and, and the limitations of evolution, our senses, you know, we don't have as good a smell or hearing as a dog. You know, this thing that we've domesticated and lived by us forever is still more advanced than us in many ways. Uh, a mantis shrimp can see, I believe, in 13 spectrums, maybe 9, maybe 9, 13. Um, and, and we're limited to this thin rainbow of the spectrum. We don't see infrared. We don't see UV. We don't see uh, maybe even dark matter. Who knows? We see 0.01% of the spectrum. So how much exists that we're inside actually connects us that we just don't see? Is there some material that we're all sharing that does actually connect us that we just simply do not perceive? I'm not, I'm not saying that's not necessarily true. Uh, but what I'm saying is that the definition of I being separate from the universe is based by definition on my senses. Like the mantis shrimp could see 13 spectrums, 
But if I cut that shrimp in half, it has the same philosophy about me, with me and my fingers. Like very quickly, it is not one with the universe. It's 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 non oneness includes its entire body. You know. True. So 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 the things that could exist beyond our perception do not affect the fact that uh, our non oneness is defined by the senses that we actually do perceive with. But couldn't it be said that perhaps, uh, so take it back to the metaphor of the mud, or, you know, yep. why can't we all still be connected to the mud while we trudge through it as individuals? I think we should be. I think that would be incredibly beneficial and it would revolutionize society more than almost anything else if we recognize that what we do to this planet uh, now when we're apes is we're literally doing it to ourselves. We are yes. going to be that mud. We were that mud. When we tarnish the planet, we are literally tarnishing ourselves. That is true. But in terms of a discrete, yeah, but I also think there's a discrete oneness because, you know, I'm an ape carved out of mud for now. So, yeah, for now there's a no oneness. But once I'm the mud again, yeah, then it's all one. So how do you explain maybe uh, things like mirror neurons, the idea that when you experience an emotion, your synapses are fine. And I obviously, as a limited human being, cannot see inside your brain. Yet, when you experience an emotion, the synapses that fire, my synapses fire the same way. What kind of connection is that? Uh, how, how does that connection um, go against or go for your argument of disconnect? Well, the reason I think that mirror neurons exist is because it was, bio, it was uh, evolutionarily beneficial if they did. So like, let's say you know, we're at the watering hole and we're trying to kill a llama for some reason to eat. And... Uh, and the lion appears, right? And you look over, right? And you see it, and your face reacts in fear, right? And I do not perceive the lion, and maybe I don't even, my conscious brain doesn't even look at you. But my mirror neurons perceive your fear, perceive what you're perceiving, and therefore I get up and I run, and I'm more likely to live. Mm-hmm. As opposed to someone who didn't have mirror neurons, didn't pick up on that fear, and got eaten by the lion. So do you think that's just basic uh, sensor detecting thing? Or is there some inherent connection that bridges between the two people? Are you asking if it's materialistic or non-materialistic? Absolutely. Uh, I I don't know. You know, I I don't know the answer to that question. I uh, depending on my state of mind, I'm way more open to non-materialistic things than others. I think that, you know, I, I think science cannot fully explain mirror neurons, mm-hmm. which gives the possibility that it is non-materialistic. Um, I would just hesitate that we don't use the often Christian argument, which is, you know, if science can't, if science can't explicitly say why something is true, therefore Jesus. You know? Yes. Well, it, but, yeah. I think very relevant to this conversation, uh, very relevant right now is the idea of like quantum physics. Um, and how about an example? Do you, what do you think in a case of if you're thinking about somebody and they call you, do you think that is, yeah. Do you think that's manifested or do you think that is uh, completely just a complete coincidence? So the romantic in me that has had that feeling multiple times with girlfriends and sadly ex-girlfriends, it almost feels like, you know, you look at your phone and like there's a text from them, right? Yes. There's a call or you, you, you feel like it's coming and then and it does, right? So do I think that is supernatural? You know, it kind of goes in this idea I've always had about like, you know, when you dream like so you have this old love, and uh, and you dream about her, right? And you, I always, I always wondered, like that night, did she dream about you too? Mm. Like when you meet up, and let's say you have a dream, and you meet up for drinks, you know, and and you, you spend like like hours in the dream talking to each other. When you wake up, it almost feels like you reconnected, yes. right? 
And so I always wondered, like, if they dreamt, because if they dreamt about you too, and if there was, if the dream was any sort of similar, by mm -hmm. all logical and all really materialistic logic, uh, you did meet up. Well, yeah. there's. Well, I kind of dodged your question. No, no, well, you know, you got romantic and that's okay. <laughs> uh, but I mean, there, so there's a notion in quantum physics of, of correlation, right? If you bring two particles, two atoms together and allow them to resonate, uh, you can pull them apart and they will still be connected. So they did this with, uh, they did this with like particles or atoms specifically, but they also did this with people. I think they took, uh, there was an experiment where I believe they had a couple who are highly correlated because the particles of their bodies, their minds, their forms sat together nights on end and resonated with each other. And they put them in Faraday cages in different buildings on a ca campus. So Faraday cages yeah, block out all okay. electromagnetic noise. They no, basically no material vibration can get inside the box. They would shock one of the partners and the other person had a button that they could press every time they felt a shock. Uh, and, and they weren't being shocked at all with somewhere near, I believe a 67 to a 70% accuracy over several hours. Every time they shocked one of the members, yeah. one of the couples, the other person pressed the button within like a margin of error of like three seconds. Yeah. So with co correlation and quantum physics, there seems to be some argument right now being made on the cutting edge of science that there is a, a connection, a bond that is formed beyond the material world as we know it. I mean, any thoughts on that? Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know what, how that experiment works. Um, but I, you know, I think, you know, there could be something, uh, beyond the material material world. I think it sure, you know, certainly feels that way. Um, you know, especially when you do like feel love like that. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I mean, okay. So I guess it goes back to this idea that, you know, there's this very, I think it's Buddhist idea that there's this, uh, one consciousness, I think Brahman. Um, and you know, we all, we all are part of it. And we, you know, when we're apes, when we're humans, we temporarily think that we're separate. Mm -hmm. So another way to phrase this is like, imagine if you have like, you had a, you had a, a glove, not a mitten, but a, you know, like a hand for your, yes. So that's, that's cold. And so the glove is all connected, right? It's all one glove. But then, you know, you put your hands in it and each finger thinks it's separate, mm -hmm. right? That's like humans on this planet. Hmm. And but they're all really part of the one consciousness that exists, that kind of enlivens, that gives um, the life spirit to all living things is a pretty cool idea. I think that's a great, yeah, great analogy. I mean, it, it makes me wonder because you have a lot of great thinkers. Uh, Rupert Sheldrake talked about morphic resonance, got his TED Talk banned for talking about it because it didn't have enough science in it. Huh. Uh, but what he basically is perpetuating is the idea of Jung, uh, his idea of the collective unconscious, um, a realm that exists beyond the personal where we all pull ideas from and share. Um, some could say this is why several cultures built pyramids around the world at the same time, even though they had no interaction. Um, some could say this is why if you teach a mouse in London uh, a, a trick, mice all over the world will begin to do that trick, even though they have no interaction. The species, the, the, the correlation of the form um, pulls upon the thoughts of that thought form yeah he calls it morphogenic resonance and you know and there's a lot of and young as well uses this uh dreams as you were saying before dreams uh potentially someone's sharing the same right. dream as you 
there seems to be a lot of evidence for it, but there is obviously an undeniable reality that what happens to me does not necessarily happen to you. Well, so there's this thing with skepticism. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm a skeptic, but still, there's this thing with skepticism where it almost like pulls into reality the thing that it's saying, uh, that it pulls or it squashes from reality the thing that it's saying is not true. So what I mean by that is when you're talking about this, um, uh, what you were just saying, like, if, if I believe that it's not true and I can, if I insist that uh, there is no collective uh, unconscious, uh, then there won't be, you know? Mm. But it's almost like if I believe that there is and I act as if there is, I can almost kind of create it. Yes. And I think that's where, and also by that argument, I'm not saying that magic uh, exists if you believe in it hard enough. I'm saying that magic cannot exist regardless of whether or not it's true if you insist that it's not. To some degree, a skeptic mind can blind you from the truth if you're insisting a certain way, if you're not going into it with a blank hypothesis, because mm -hmm. you're going into it with an hypothesis that's, that things are not true. But to some degree, a lot of these metaphysical, you know, woo-woo, energy, magic things, they require a belief to feel the feeling, you know? Like, say, Kundalini Yoga has this example of a Kundalini uh, awakening, which is like finding enlightenment mm -hmm. or, you know, serenity. And if you insist that it cannot be true, therefore, you know, by definition, you will not feel it. Yes. That being said, I personally am not sure if it is true. I don't think being human has a massive shortcut where you just snake by all the work of being human and are a perfect person and enlightened. So let me ask you then, do you, I mean, I, th I think we can both agree that there is a common source that we all spring from in some way. I guess the, the question then would be, is it healthy to really devote energy to self and not think about the source as much is it is it better to believe in the one and not really focus on the self so much is there an evolutionary advantage is it something we want to cultivate in the future of our species like is that is that little bit of self-deceit maybe a healthy thing yeah i mean the thing that's a that's a good question so i think you know the Oh, man, it's like okay, so the, the self that the self and the the non oneness I think is good in achieving certain things, you know, mm -hmm. like it's the same thing in that how free will the belief in free will is good in achieving certain things. If you don't think you have free will, maybe you're just sit on the couch and do nothing. If you think you are the the creator of your destiny, you know, maybe you will write that great American novel and, and do something, you know. So by the same sense, um, if we believe in a oneness of the universe and we believe in something outside of ourselves, regardless of whether or not the idea is true. Um, we can almost make it true. You know, we can grow our souls. Whether or not we have a soul, it's metaphorical shorthand for the point I'm trying to convey. Uh, so if we believe that there is this thing beyond ourselves and we, it, we, we enact practices that increase that feeling in us, like meditation, like yoga, like psychedelics under the right circumstances, or reading and music are very nice too. Uh, if we do those things, it's almost like you do grow your soul in a way, regardless if there's actual soul. Maybe I'm just tweaking all of the neurons in my brain and getting all of my chemistry in my body at a very, very good level. Or maybe there's a soul and I'm literally growing it, making it warmer and brighter. Either way, the effect's the same and your life is better. So the, I guess the point is then uh, does, it doesn't really matter if, if we are alone or all connected as long as we can kind of cultivate the ideology that we can better ourselves exactly. and the world around us. The, the idea that you hold in your head is a means to the end. The end is reducing human suffering, increasing human connection, and increasing the well-being of all conscious creatures. You know, shelter, education, health care for all. Uh, 
So those are those are those are the goals at the end, you know. And if you believe that uh, yoga and meditation gets you there, and it gets you there, that's amazing. If you believe that uh, the Christian God gets you there without any of the hatred, and it gets you there, that's amazing. That so the ideas are a means to an end. The only ideas that should not be included in this are things that negate that end, that increase the disconnection between human beings, that increase hatred, that increase suffering. Those are the ideas that we need to stay away from. You know, the the truth, the capital T truth of these ideas being relatively secondary. I mean, I would assume that's why the the Buddhists, the same people who kind of championed this ideology, made sure that one of their first tenets was non-attachment. Right. Uh, I think that it's kind of a declaration, and, and maybe a declaration of non-attachment to oneness. You know, maybe there is something to be said for uh, the pursuit of enlightenment rather than the living uh, of living as enlightened. You know, th- there's something to be said for attaching yourself to the journey so much so that you need it to work out in your favor that you need to know that you're with everything all the time in the same way that an attachment to self is egocentric and and, and very threatening to your ability to connect with people if you attach too much to your ego you lose the ability to connect if you attach too much to the oneness you lose your ability to individualize right well said i think so uh, that idea of impermanence by Buddhists, like uh, a lot of Buddhist ideas taken secularly <clears throat> are um, essentially scientific tests on how to improve your life. So, you know, they say meditation will give you enlightenment, but science has proven that meditation decreases infl- inflammation all across the body, especially the brain, which you know, has effects, you know, against Alzheimer's, stuff like that. But the point being is that uh, the idea of unattachment to the universe is another one of those ideas that reduces human suffering. Mm-hmm. If we're unattached to things like the ego, we'll be less afraid of death because the, the death is mostly, uh, you know, your, th- your ego, your thinking brain stops. It's mostly uh, stops the cutting thinking. the hand off that you're afraid of. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> there's no more thoughts when you die. Yeah. There's no more perception of reality in this sense that we perceive it right now. At least we know those two things. But uh, beyond that, you know, who knows? But anyway, what I was saying is that uh, the idea of attach- unattachment and the idea of impermanence that is also a very Buddhist idea are ways of reducing human suffering. Yes. So then maybe the point is to just not give too much credence to either that you sacrifice the other. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Well, yeah. What do you mean by that? Uh, don't become so focused on self that you lose your connection to the whole and don't become so focused on the whole that you lose connection to self. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's a good point. So ne- there is, yeah, sense. there is no, maybe that is just the balance. That is the middle way is finding out how to. The middle way. That's a Buddhist thing too. The Tao. Yes. I mean, it's all finding yeah, your totally. Tao in a sense, you know. And I think the Tao in many ways is, it, you know, the Tao is personal harmony that I think resonates and ripples out greater harmony to the whole like if you are being your most honest self if if, whatever that means if you are living in a path of love and harmony in a way that uplifts you and everyone else is doing that too right and we the whole goes into this beautiful clockwork so by cultivating the self you're you're helping the whole so you definitely believe in the uh, collective consciousness i believe that without a doubt in my opinion, we are uh, limiting ourselves through our five senses to something bigger than ourselves that we're all a part of. I think that the fact that there is nothing I can see between you and I right now is not proof that there is nothing between us. I know right now sound waves are carrying through a medium so they can go to your ear. So the fact that I don't see our connection 
doesn't mean we're not connected. The heat radiating off our body right now is is mixing in the air between us in some way, and it's exchanging. If I cough in the air, you can get my cold. Like there yeah. is an obvious connection that exists um, through a medium that we can't see, and as beings of evolution who were limited by our five senses who are just representations of other beings that are limited by their senses whether it's a bat who can't see or what have you there are even if that bat can't see and it just bounces uh echolocation off walls to navigate yeah that doesn't take away the fact that there's a whole bunch of other stuff around it just in the same way that even though i can't see our connection it doesn't mean it's not there. With the difference, though, I guess with a skeptic would argue, I am arguing, that um, it's, let's just assume in this thought experiment that bats had thumbs. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they could, all the stuff they can't see, <clears throat> they could create experiments and ping, right? Mm-hmm. So this, in this example, bats cannot see quarks or uh, electrons. Let's say electrons and right. protons. They could, bats could create experiments and they would find electrons, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is that like we should, for to some degree, we should be able to get find experiments to to create experiments to find things that we cannot perceive. True, but I mean, are we not still a very young species who just recently thought the world was flat and is still electing Donald Trump? There's obviously a True. lot of uh, a lot of growth that we have to do in terms of what we can figure out, and science still has major major questions well, just because some, some monkeys are throwing poop at each other doesn't mean that some <laughs> monkeys grew some bananas on their own no but i guess my point is that there is definitely a there is definitely stuff going on around us that we just simply do not understand i definitely things are yeah i agree there are things we don't know i guess what i'm trying to get at is there's there's like two different arguments right there's there's the idea there's the question if aliens existed, would the mathematics of the universe as we have we have found them to be, would they still be true to that alien species, right? Like, say, mm-hmm. let's say a simple one, like, well, E equals MC squared. We could use, like, gravity, too, but I don't know that one off the top of my head. But anyway, so, like, it, but let's use the gravity one, actually. So let's say, like, if, if an alien species existed and they live on this planet and they could, you know, eat something totally different, they could not be carbon-based at all. Mm-hmm. Totally different, it's like, it's senses, too. Like, not our senses. In that case, though... Like, and they, they saw, like, their version of an apple falling at the ground. And would they, you know, scientists argue that they would create, they would find or discover the same gravitational equation that we did. I heard earlier a really good idea that laws are kind of a man-made idea. So to assume a, a, the law of gravity, to assume that physics follows these laws, nature follows laws, to project laws onto that apple is to declare that law declare that apple a citizen to say that this apple follows laws is to say that this apple does a man-made construction so 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 the question so the point there is is it necessarily the case that all the projections that we put upon reality all the limitations all the boxes all the beautiful uses of our organization that gave us so much human ability yeah are those things limiting a greater picture like if you uh if you look, there's a, I forget who was talking about, maybe Terrence McKenna, somebody, he was talking about a kid looking at a, at a butterfly perhaps, right? And just absolutely in pure awe of this thing. And then what does it do? Who knows? Why is it so colorful? What are all those things on it? Can, can it become a sun? Can it become, can it transform? What is this creature? 
And then suddenly the mom goes, and oh, it's a butterfly. And suddenly the world of beauty and awe and everything condenses into this one mm. little word that completely strips it of its divinity and possibility. Is it possible that we as humans have taken the, the huge sea of atoms that we all composed of, that we all are considering ourselves separated inside of because we project our arms to be this far is this projection of my arm and it being cut off is that a definition of my consciousness that i'm projecting onto reality that usurps the bigger picture of the majesty and the connection that exists beyond possibly okay so when they when they define the butterfly as a butterfly you lose all the magic of what it could be the magic here being a metaphor for um any want any any uh, possibility outside the definition of butterfly that's being given to the kid. It's a mouthful, but that, that's, that's what we are yes. saying. So, so by that same definition, let's not talk about losing a hand. Let's talk about um, what we are losing uh, in terms of what we can perceive when we say that we cannot perceive something. That's, that's I think, where, where is, the, is, the crux, is, the, is the great crux of what you're saying, is that like when we define the butterfly as a butterfly, we're losing what it, yes. what it potentially could be. When we define ourselves as secular materialistic things we're potentially losing out on anything that we cannot perceive whether you know that still could fit the definitions yes. of science that's the thing like you we, we can have things that appear supernatural because of our senses are, are not able to perceive them but if we were the alien species they could easily have a science that just picked it up like totally. it was nothing that was still logical and scientific it's a it's a box on imagination and i think that's my that's the reason i gravitate towards the oneness because i think it speaks to a, a quantum infinite that exists beyond our materialistic definitions and in that quantum infinite lies infinite possibility and for me personally i can't see how that couldn't be the case right now just because if i imagine something i can mostly just go get it like i can mostly do it there's 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 limitations uh, wise obviously i mean in terms of like i wish i could fly and then suddenly i'm doing it but for the most part you can envision a thing and if you can envision it pretty well on how it's done you can go build that you can go be that you can go see that like to some degree well the, the, there's a lot of power there and the point is that power even with the hand one of the greatest experiments ever that i love so much is if you take somebody's hand you have them put them both of their arms down on the table and you put one of them in a box yeah and you or and you and where their hand looks like it should be you uh put a fake arm yeah and they see that fake arm and then you you hammer hit that fake arm with a hammer take yeah. a saw to it whatever um and you have a sudden and, and that person gets terrified because they think it's they think that they have a connection right, right. they feel the feather they feel a feather often when they'll rub a feather across the fake arm the person will describe feeling um pain with amputees mm -hmm. they do this they'll have amputees do it because they clench their muscle and when the arms cut it was the month the muscle was clenched but by thinking that their arm is the one on the table and by having them imagine unclenching the hand on the table, they actually release the muscle that was tensed up when it was amputated. So then they suddenly send a command to a phantom limb, you right. know, and, and because they start to perceive a part of their form that isn't actually a part of their form they gain control of a part of themselves that they never had control of before. Well, it sounds like it definitely shifts the definition of, I mean, I don't know. In some ways, it kind of sounds to me like that <clears throat> promotes the case of non-oneness in the sense that if you lose your hand or your arm, 
and you send the muscle memory down there to try to grab something like that shows that you really that that your definition of non-oneness extends to include your hand and arm that you think is still there i disagree because what i think it uh what it really exemplifies in my mind is the fact that our idea of oneness is based solely in perception of course by definition right so so the fact that we as people have been indoctrinated and or just evolved senses to believe our form is limited to this body uh is a perceptive trick that might actually be wrong we might be perceiving pain as part of ourselves that is a part of something bigger you know what i mean we're, we're projecting this form we could actually be hallucinating or projecting that's a, a body that's a whole different argument that is so there's this there's this basis of arguments that essentially come down to the world is not what you perceive it to be like the the real the realness or the truth is beyond what your senses tell you and that's a whole different beast that is a whole different beast. So think, maybe we should stop it there. I think uh, if, if anyone's still listening at this point, I highly recommend you smoke a joint and think about everything we just talked about. <laughs> Agreed. All right. This is Curious Apes and we're out.